Hello, hello, hello. How the hell are you doing? Thank you for listening to Press Play Action here on Jersey Nerds Productions. Mitchell Lee alongside Brandon Two and making his Press Play Action debut, Connor Vandemark. Good to have you guys here as we begin our journey. We're going to go through the random movies. Oh, we've got some random ass movies coming next week, but we're going to make our journey down the IMDb Top 250, starting with the top movie on that list, The Shawshank Redemption. And then we're not just going to go kind of one, two, three, four. We're going to kind of try to do similar movies when we're talking. We're not just going to do Shawshank and The Godfather because that's one and two. We're going to do Shawshank Redemption, and then we're going to do another Frank Darabont prison-related movie based on a Stephen King work, very similar types of things, The Green Mile, so 1994 and 1999. Guys, how you doing? Doing good. Shout out to Stephen King, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Stephen King's out here winning. Uh Yeah, I'm good, man. I'm good. All right, we can just go ahead and uh, get before we get started, rather. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at at Mitchell Lee 10 with one less L because I take enough L's on Twitter as it is. You can also find the press play action Twitter at press play action and press play action podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Connor, where can the good people find you? Um, I need to get back on that because I have I've actually deleted Twitter after the whole Elon Musk crap. So good. Good. Yeah, yeah. No, I I don't blame you. Stay away. Um, I do have a blue sky. <laughs> find me here. I, <laughs> I do got blue sky now, which took freaking forever. But hopefully, I get that oh. thing running. So I think I'm C dot eighty nine on that one. So you'll have to let us know how that goes because yeah, Twitter has become a cesspool, and I would love to get off of it. Mm-hmm. The thing is, like, it kind of sucks that there's no real good, like, alternative yet. So, hopefully, Blue Sky can fill that void. Have you done threads yet on Instagram? I I, I did either. that really briefly, but it just didn't really catch on. Hmm. Yeah, it kind of sucks that, you no know, Twitter kind of fills that space still. Yeah. Well, Brandon, where can the people find you? Um, I talk about movies every now and then. Um, a lot of baseball content, a lot of asian baseball content because of my job so uh if you love that um there's probably my, more uh, crossover than you think yeah there's probably more crossover than you would think there would be uh my handle or my at is uh brandon and then my last name t-e-w uh eats e-e-t-s so uh brandon two eats uh i it was it was great when it was actually called twitter and then elon went and messed it up by making it x uh, you don't want to call it brandon two x yeah, I should. I should. Yeah, that would be a great handle. Yeah, really, really. Uh, you know, putting it out there for people. But uh, yeah, no, that's uh, that's where people can find me. Um, if if I've you know, occasionally we'll have movie opinions on there. Uh, a lot of baseball stuff. Also on Instagram and Facebook at Jersey Nerds Productions with various underscores. If you just type it in there, you'll be able to find it. That I am sure of. All right. Let's dive into the Frank Darabont double feature, Shawshank Redemption. We'll start with that one. This was uh, September 23rd, 1994 is when this released, and it did not do well at the box office, which is just incredibly disappointing to hear. 
This also came out around the same time as the two movies that we're going to be talking about next week in the IMDb list, and that's Pulp Fiction and Forrest Gump, two movies that are on the IMDb Top 250, very prominent, and Best Picture nominated, Forrest Gump winning that year. Maybe Shawshank should have won. That's something that we will dive into both this week and next week, but those kind of kept these movies from doing as well as maybe they should have. Apparently prison movies were not popular at the time, but whatever. It got nominated for seven Oscars and it didn't win any of them, which makes no sense for a movie that is widely considered to be one of, if not the best movie of all time. If you turned on TNT at any point in the last 20 years, you have yeah. seen this movie in, <laughs> at, at maybe at 15 minute intervals, but you have seen parts of this movie. Well, not, for not sure. to take shots at, at the Emmys, but it, we have a better call Saul situation going on. Like is, is that, yeah, didn't what, that go like that 0 for 55 or something? Yeah. <laughs> over 53, I think uh, was the, was the better call Saul at the Emmys. So uh, I, I personally don't know how this got nominated for multiple awards at the Oscars and didn't win any of them. But if also the fact that people didn't go to the box office in 94 to, to see this movie is kind of shocking, but uh considering the movies that it came out with that that makes a little bit more sense but yeah praise be tnt baby praise yeah, be it was nominated for uh for best picture best actor in a leading role for morgan freeman uh i guess him and tim robbins would have both been Were considered for like tim lead actor but well, but tim robbins no Robbins didn't get nominated. Freeman did. Best uh, Adapted Screenplay, Best Cinematography, Sound, Film Editing, and Music. Again, taking home zero Oscars, but taking home everyone's heart in the process. As This is the number one movie on the IMDb Top 50 or Top 250 in any movie list that you look at. It's going to be featured very prominently. So let's just go ahead and dive into this. Connor, the way that we're going to do this is we're going to talk about it non-spoiler for a little bit, give our grade, then talk about the Green Mile, non-spoiler, give our grade, and then save the spoiler talk for the absolute end. However, if you have not seen either of these movies, uh, I think we're going to change that because we're going to talk these movies up so much that you're going to want to watch them. The Shawshank Redemption is about... Andy Dufresne, who is a uh, he's a banker in Portland, Maine, and he gets sentenced to two consecutive life sentences for murdering his wife and her lover. And he becomes friends with uh, with Red, played by Morgan Freeman, who's also serving a life sentence. And it's about their uh, the life and times in Shawshank prison. And we'll get into that a little bit further as we go along. But. This movie absolutely deserves its status as being considered one of the greatest of all time. Uh, yeah. Um, I, I, I mean, this might be spoiling my grade a little bit, but this is very high on a list of movies I've seen. Um, this probably tops any movie I've recently seen. Um, yeah, I mean, even on rewatch. So I, I rewatched this on, I want to say... Friday or Saturday, and then the next day we watched it again, and we're just like, this, <laughs> oh, nice. "This is incredible!" I mean, I just like watched it back to back. I was like, "This is just an incredible movie." Um, so, Stephen King, not uh, I guess movies are 
you know, plots taking place in Maine is my big takeaway from uh, from this from this. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, yeah, I, 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 you know, out of all the things to be adapted from Stephen King, like this was the one that like absolutely shocked me that it like took off and was like this good. Um, so yeah, that's kind of like my biggest thing from from the whole thing. Um, but yeah, we'll, go ahead, Connor. Growing up, both these movies, whenever they come on TNT, <laughs> whatever I was doing, I would watch them because that's right. how damn good they are. And they just they just suck you in. And I, I you know definitely with now, you know, streaming services becoming more of the platform compared to like basic cable television. I'm kind of curious, like if we'll have a situation like this ever again, where like a in, in the box office, we'll see a, a film gets so missed on and then blows up years later. And it's like, you no, know, TNT didn't acquire the rights till 97, but like it was still like very well regarded uh, rental grow, uh, going up into it. And you no, know, no, this Shawshank is, you know, obviously. He, when people were rating it like you no know, as high as they are as like you no know, the top list on IMD, IMDb, like it's kind of crazy how that situation ever occurred in the first place. And I like I, me personally, I love both these movies so much. Yeah, yeah, I, I think the TNT stuff is is interesting because I'm with you. Like whenever it was on TNT, you like stop what you're doing and watch at least like an hour of it or an hour and a half. Um, and I guess on like a TNT run, it, like Shawshank would probably end up being a a, a three-hour watch um with commercials um maybe so more. yeah 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 maybe a little more um and the fact that there was people who would just like sit down and like watching the entire movie from start to finish on oh, tnt wherever um, it was like it's crazy. like oh yeah if, it, if it's on you're finishing it like no like right, it's, right. it's that good yeah exactly um i don't know if we ever have uh I don't know if we ever have something like that again with with streaming services and all this stuff. Like, I just don't know if you ever have a movie make this much from like, I guess, what what would you call it? Like TV royalties um, are just, you know, getting played over and over again on TNT because the kickback, like those checks to Tim Robbins and Morgan Freeman, like they have to be massive. Like those. those it's still going. Yeah, it's still going. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's probably the biggest takeaway is just how, like, well-regarded this movie is. But, yeah, it was a flop at the box office or a miss. And then, yeah, it just blew up on, like, network television, like, cable television. Like, that's just crazy. One of the things that I took away from kind of what you guys are talking about with will this ever happen again with, like, streaming and that kind of thing is there was a movie and – for whatever reason, it's come up at least three or four times in the last month between you and I, Brandon. The the Tom Cruise movie American Made from yeah. 2017, that had – and it's a movie we really enjoyed, but no one yeah. else really saw it. And because it came out right after The Mummy when Tom Cruise did that, and everyone hated that movie, and rightfully so. But it – found like a second wind on netflix for like a few weeks where everyone was talking about like oh have you seen this like tom cruise movie that i never knew existed and i'm like yeah i knew it existed but i'm glad that you found it now and then right. a few weeks after that no one was talking about it anymore so yeah it's a little bit more of a uh, a short a short-lived phenomenon when it happens nowadays so you don't get american maids not being played on tnt 
eight times a month. Right, right, exactly. And I think, I guess that's like Shawshank's like shining moment is just, it just got ran on TNT because the execs at TNT knew what they were doing. Turner knew what they were doing. They knew what they had. They they just were like, Tiva are going to sit and watch this. The ratings for this is going to be huge. Like just continue to put it on television. Um, and, and, and Suits um, from USA kind of got a similar run with like, you know, Netflix where people all of a sudden that happens nowhere, a lot like, more with TV shows seen, right now. Mm-hmm. Right. That happens more with TV shows than movies where, you know, people are like, have you seen suits? And I was like, well, I watched suits like when it was on USA, <laughs> like when it was actually like running. So uh, I went back and rewatched it on Netflix. So I, I think streaming services have just like changed the game in terms of that. But I mean, I think Connor's right. No matter what point in the movie you're at, whether it's an hour left, two hours left, you're sitting there and you're watching the rest of the movie. Or at least as, you're going as long as you possibly can until you have to go do something. Or, or you're watching a significant chunk of this movie no matter when it's on. And I think that's its like crowning moment and like its shining thing. It's like everyone, I think, will have that same opinion if they ever see this movie. They'll, they'll have to be like, this movie's incredible and I'm just going to sit here and watch all of it. Um, yeah. I'm very um, interested, like to get my hands on like the the Turner statistics of like, oh, how many times does someone like fall on this channel and then stay there? Yeah, right. And like, just like, or like, whatever part of the movie they're in, like, oh, I, I'm I'm ending this movie, like I'm staying in this because like, it's it's just wild. The and the thing is like, no, we're all from like no, you know, grew up in different areas, like. Like, just the cultural zeitgeist of like everybody it this happens to everyone you talk to like oh shawshank yeah tnt it's always there like and it's great like it yeah, happens yeah. to everyone and the fact that it, it had that reaction is something that i know it would never be captured again in my opinion by the way this uh this show is uh, sponsored by nba on tnt capture the magic <laughs> every tuesday night on tnt no i'm just kidding tnt is not sponsoring this particular podcast you know you would you, you they got hockey now surprised. yeah exactly yeah, yeah you'd be surprised they if they now. did let's start talking about the actual kind of nuts and bolts of the movie i thought that the chemistry between morgan freeman and tim robbins is kind of the heart and soul of this movie you get to know You get to know Andy kind of through the perspective of Morgan Freeman, which I think kind of makes sense now looking at that best lead actor nomination for Morgan Freeman, because you got, you get to know Andy at first when he first arrives at Shawshank and he's like, yeah, I'm going to take the, uh, the tall glass of water with the silk, with the silver spoon up his ass to be the first one to break at the first night at Shawshank. And he doesn't, but this other guy does and they beat the hell out of him and I, he he dies so you get a very good you know welcome to prison moment there just to know how tough this place is and the first time i watched it i was a little concerned that that would be a little bit overblown and the prison guards would just be killing people all the time and that would be the movie but it wasn't and i liked the fact yeah. that after the whole thing with the sisters which is just nasty once that whole thing kind of subsides it is a lot more about andy kind of finding more or less a home in prison and the concept of people being institutionalized 
maybe no more prevalent than the storyline of Brooks. Yeah, I, I mean, I cry every single time I, I see the movie with with the Brooks storyline, um, just because what happens to him. Um, not going to spoil that entirely, but I mean, yeah, it's just there's a lot of really good performances. Um, and, and Morgan Freeman, this is I, I personally think this is Morgan Freeman at his best. Like this is Morgan Freeman doing Morgan Freeman. It's not now you see me. This is the second straight show we're praising no, Morgan Freeman. We are, <laughs> but this is Morgan Freeman at his finest. Like his long, uh, I guess monologues, like talking, voiceovers. Over, talking about yeah, the voiceovers talking about Andy. Um, Tim Robbins is exceptional as Andy Dufresne. Um, Warden Norton, uh, the yeah, warden. Yeah, got to shout out Bob Gunton. Bob Gunton, like that man is scary. That is an evil character. Um, we'll get into this with the Green Mile. There might that might be like the most evil characters ever created on television, or ever created on television. On TNT, or movies, or anywhere. But uh, Warden Norton is like not of not a good person. As um, soon as I heard, as soon as I heard. Put your trust in the Lord. Your ass belongs to me. I'm like, yes, yeah, this, this yes. is going to be a piece of shit. <laughs> and the way he delivers that line too, it's like, yeah, it's great line chilling. delivery, right? And, and, and even the the prison guards, like, those are exceptional performances. Like, it, it you really feel the uh, emotional impact of of like all of these different storylines and all these different characters and. I, you know I, that's Mr. Krabs, up, right? Who? Uh, you talking about the prison guard? Or, the the most or, brutal of the prison guards is Mr. Krabs. No shit. Makes sense. It yeah, does that's, sense. that's Clancy Brown who voices Mr. Krabs. That's yeah. funny. As that hell. guy's well, got a ton of range. So, so his uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly, a, a a lot of range. So, like his first uh, words are like, "You're gonna." You know, you eat when we tell you to eat. You shit when we tell you to shit. You <laughs> piss when we tell you to piss. Like, he delivers it, like, so well. Um, and, and that's after he, he goes, like, do you speak English? And says, like, a not-so-nice word to uh, the first person he sees. So, yeah, immediately you're like, wow, this is not a place I, like, want to be. Like, it's prison. And most, most like, TV shows, movies, like, you get you get prison. But I feel like with this one, like, you you really get prison. It's like this is prison. Like I don't want to be here. And prison, like, prison, yeah. prison, Right, exactly. If you don't um, like no, just, prison, get off now because uh, we are going to be talking about that a lot today. Right. <laughs> just, just really good, uh, really good performances, and, and, and that's I guess the biggest takeaway because like this movie does not work if the performances don't work, and the performances work. Oh, if you yeah. don't feel the chemistry between Tim Robbins and Morgan Freeman, if you're not rooting for them to improve their situation, hold on to hope and the whole concept of hope uh, evolving throughout the movie was something that I found really interesting. And a lot of this stuff we're going to get into more when we talk about spoiler uh, related things, because again, if you haven't seen this movie, I, I don't want to get in too deep with the spoilers until we give you an advanced warning to, you know, Hey, plug your ears. Or if you just don't care, you're you're warned about it, but the progression of Andy's character as well as Red's character 
told through the different parole board meetings was mm-hmm. something that I was mm-hmm. I was very impressed with. I think overall, when it comes to Shawshank, that I, I guess we can kind of tie to Green Mile way in a way where the power dynamics that you see because of the character development in Shawshank really highlights what they're going through. And because we like know, like, because the fact that we have the way that how Andy's trying to find his way to survive in, you know, in the prison, he's trying to make himself useful in a way and trying to find, <laughs> find his own niche within it's like, oh, no, like, I'll scratch your back, you scratch mine. And find that situation where like, oh, I can, I can make myself valuable to someone else. And because now I have more value, value, the people in power want to actually protect me. And I think, yeah, definitely. and then you see yeah. the same thing, you see the same thing with the prison, the, the, the actual inmates too, where you see how Red's more respected. You can see how Andy's using that to his own leverage as maybe befriending him. And I, I think the way the actors do that, like, no, again, with like, no, the violent prison guards, like, oh, they're showing their authority. At the same time, like, oh, they can see in a way as he comes with um, uh, Brian Haley, the, the one prison guard that he, he befriends. Like, you can see, like, oh, I can help you out. No, we, I can make your life easier if you make my life easier. If you just give some beer to my uh, my buddies on the roof. <laughs> and that's that's right. where he really starts to make make friends and we get the beginning of that Andy making himself useful trying mm-hmm. to find something of a home in right. Shawshank prison and I think that I think that's one of the best scenes to be to be honest like that is one of the best scenes um yeah. in the entire in the entire movie um the establishing shots too like mm-hmm. I, I guess we can touch on this a little bit but like that opening shot where it's they show boy. the entire prison and it just like they go over the top of the prison like that wasn't done with the drone it was 1994 like they had to take it like a helicopter or something but that would have been a drone shot nowadays but like that oh, yeah. establishing shot of like the entire prison yard as like they're bringing the bus in is probably one of the best shots i've ever seen in movie history by the like, way that Brandon, shot is incredible that's your boy yeah. Roger Deakins, cinematographer oh, for movies like oh, Skyfall and Blade Runner twenty forty nine and nineteen seventeen. That's that's your guy right there. I want to say mean, Dune as well. No, not Dune. Uh, yeah, he didn't do Dune, um, but he's done a lot of things. Like yeah, but, Blade Runner twenty forty nine is enough for I you. Mean, that's a Blade Runner, <laughs> but that's a Blade Runner twenty forty nine like type of establishing shot, you know. And he was doing that back in ninety four with. However, they did that. Like, I don't know how they must have used a helicopter. Like, that's the only way you could do it. Like, I, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. it just looks really cool. Um, and, and just all of, like the establishing shots and like side the prison, where it's like, you know, we'll peek around the corner and then like the, the character will rock, walk like around the corner and like the camera will be like positioned at the door or whatever. Like, it's just a lot of cold and unique shots from like a cinematography standpoint. And and I think that like makes it even more like, yes, you were inside the prison. Like this is like real. And and you kind of get that vibe as you, as you continue to watch the movie. All right. I think we're at the point where we can start getting into grades for Shawshank Redemption. So uh, Connor, you want to get us started? 
Um, <laughs> honestly, I'm probably gonna give it like a because this is is one of my favorite movies, and probably give it like a A plus overall, like nine point seven six, nine eight, uh, even even higher possibly. Like I don't go nine point seven six. I don't know what you guys' rating is, but like to me, it's everything. Chef kiss. Brandon? I mean, yeah, that, that that sounds very similar uh, to what I have. Um, so I kind of changed up my scale to be more like Mitchell's. Um, just give me more eight. range. Um, I'm going to go A plus 98.9. Ooh, that's, that's about as high as it gets. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I really don't know where, like, the one extra point would come from or the 1.1, <laughs> 1. 1, but we're going to find out eventually at some point. But, I mean – I think I wrote in my review on Letterboxd, this is like as close to movie perfection as you can get. Just the way the characters are set up, the scenes, um, just the character development. Like, it's about as, the pacing. The pacing is perfect, too. Like, you, I never feel bored watching this movie. Like, it seems slow at some points, but, like, that's almost, like, set up to, like, set something else up. And I just think the pacing is well done too. Like this is an exceptional movie. It's as closest a, as you can get to perfection. And with that pacing too, that's what sucks you in too, because like no matter what, like you're not you're there is no dull point. It's oh, Shawshank's on. I don't know where I am. I'd sucked it. Like because because you're always interested, you're always engaged of anything that's happening there. Right, exactly. Yeah. You could you could like lose it with with one scene or two scenes and lose like fifteen or ten minutes. And this movie does not do that. Like the pacing is just exceptional. It's just exceptional pacing. It's a two hour twenty two minute movie that does not feel that long at all. And that is one of the yeah. biggest praises that I can give this movie. By the way, if you want to follow along with Brandon and I as we go through this movie review journey, Brandon is on Letterboxd at capital B capital T E W on letterboxd. And I am just at Mitchell Lee and we have lists for all sorts of things. But if you go to Brandon's it's movies at random, I think is your, uh, your list. Yes. And mine is PPA reviews and you can keep track of how we're ranking the movies that we are talking about. Brandon and Connor both right on the money. This is as high of an a plus as you can possibly give. For me, it's an A plus 97.31%. Again, I don't know where that extra two and a half points comes from, but like Brandon said, we're going to find out at, at some point. But this this is one of the greatest movies of all time, and every time I watch it, I'm, I'm just astounded by just how good it is. So with that being said, let's move on to our next movie, The Green Mile, December 10th. 1999 release this one again directed and written by frank darabont based on a stephen king work called the green mile uh starring tom hanks who was on an absolute heater in the 90s i mean everything tom hanks touched just turned to gold uh even just this year in 1999 because the a few weeks beforehand he had toy story 2 and then a year later he was going to have castaway so Tom Hanks, and the year before that, he had Saving Private Ryan. So yeah. Tom and the Hanks, year before that, yeah, no, Forrest he, Gump in '94, right? Forrest I mean, Gump in '94 won an Oscar for that. Won an Oscar for Philadelphia in 1993. So Tom Hanks yeah. in the '90s was about as big and consistent as you can get. This one also starring 
uh, David Morse, Michael Clark Duncan, uh, Sam Rockwell, someone who I did not know was in this movie until I sat down to watch it. This is the first time I've watched this movie, by the way, despite the fact that I have had it on DVD for 10 years and I just haven't ever watched it. It was there for three bucks and I'm like, yeah, I'll watch it. I'll get to it eventually. And about 11 years later, I did. Uh, This one, I think, succeeds where at least, well, this isn't thinking. This is knowing as far as the box office goes because – People kind of knew, like, all right, we shafted Shawshank. That was a great movie. This this one has Tom Hanks, directed by the same like, guy. The people we that, should check this one out. That so, saw, yeah. The amount of people that saw the Oscars in 94 and were like, wait, this this got seven nominations? Like, why did we see this? Like, they were like, we yeah, have exactly. to go to the box office and see this one. So, yeah, it makes sense. So, the, the Green Mile found box office, box office success making $136 million domestic, $286 million worldwide on a $60 million budget. So very profitable. This one, like Shawshank, on TNT quite often, not as often, at least as far as I've noticed. And the reason for that, by the way, I did do a little bit of diving in to it while we were talking about it. Castle Rock Entertainment was a production company for both of those movies. And it was bought by Turner Productions or Turner Broadcasting uh, Studio. So that is why you that's why you see it so much on TBS or TNT is because they they own that. And hey, there you go. That's a a good one to uh, to to show repeatedly. This one was nominated for I want to say four Oscars. It was let me double right now. Let me double check uh... that. Best Picture, Best Supporting Actor for Duncan, and then Best Sound and Best Adaptive Screenplay. Mm. Yes, and well, right now... I hope on, Duncan won. Did, I mean, he I did not. He did, but, nope, only uh, nominated. Uh, this, one, this one is currently number 27 on IMDb's list all time, whereas Shawshank is number one. Who beat out Michael Clark? Don't, Michael Caine. One mm. for the Cider House rules, and this lost. Hey. We will get to after we talk about Pulp Fiction and Forrest Gump next week. The next IMDb Top 250 is going to be the two movies that kind of beat out Green Mile, American Beauty, which won Best Picture, and then The Sixth Sense, which was another highly regarded movie nominated for best picture in 1999 another great year for movies got movies like fight club the matrix yeah star wars episode one the phantom menace if you have no taste whatsoever but yeah lots lots of really good movies oh man well i was gonna say mitchell michael kane making another appearance on our on our episodes good lord yeah we're gonna michael kane and morgan freeman are gonna make every single review that we talk about somehow we're gonna talk about them during little man i don't know how but they'll, <laughs> they, they, we'll they'll worm their way in there yeah so i don't love this movie as much as as much as shawshank but I, after watching it for the first time all the way through, I had seen bits and pieces of it on like so TV. So this was your first time too. Yeah, but for, for all the way through, uh, just sitting down and watching it straight through, this was my first time uh, watching it all, all the way through. Um, and it's a three-hour movie. And I think unlike Shawshank, I think with some of this movie, you do feel the pacing and you do feel the three hours at some point in the movie um it's not a bad thing it's still an it's still a great movie 
but um you do feel the three hours at, at some point in the movie and for me um tom hanks just like steals the show it, it's tom hanks and michael clark duncan like mm-hmm. just going back and forth with each other almost and the chemistry that they have between those two characters is really what sets this movie apart from a lot of other movies and like there's great performances throughout like david morse as uh, as brutal um you know you talk about sam rockwell like might be the most evil person on wild television or movie history yeah wild bill uh, wharton um Actually, the most evil person would be uh, one of the prison guards, Percy. Percy, uh, oh god, is probably I... the most evil person on on in like television movie history. Like that character is the worst, the mm-hmm. absolute worst. Yeah, Doug Hutchison as uh, Percy Wetmore. Congratulations. Uh, I hate you. If I see you in the street, I'm. Hold on, let me just make sure that this guy isn't like dead. Nope, he's not. not. If I see nope. you in the street, we're gonna have we're gonna have problems because you you were so good in this movie that it makes me just not like you. It's like Michael Fassbender in Twelve Years a Slave, where it's like, all right, you did too good of a job at yeah, that. Yeah, you did that too we, well. We we got we got some problems now. Uh, just playing this guy that first of all, he just always looks like he just got done jacking off in the bathroom, but he also carries that mentality <laughs> with. with with him while he's playing this guy that is just the most dark-hearted person that I mean, i've seen in, movie you, in a long time how would you even describe it like it, it, he just he plays it really well but it's almost like slimy he understands fuck. yeah mm-hmm. he understands that he's evil and he just does not care like at all like there is no remorse there is no like connection to anybody it is just straight up there's actually a character that he did remind me of and obviously there's levels to evil um but because he has like a a moment where he's like all right let me try to like not be a dick and then he just immediately is just like nope i want to be a dick and it reminded me a little bit of uh ralph fine's character in schindler's list Mm. where he has a moment where he's like let me just not be an ad. Nope, I like it too much. It's very yeah. much to me where I see Percy more as like a. I think masochist is not the right word, but he's on that level where it's like he he is pleasure doing those things, and no, like honestly, overall with this movie, like the casting, spot on, like. Like I would, I would, I would argue the Green Miles casting is better than Shawshanks. Yeah, yeah, and you can, you can make the argument. Like, well, there's more could. characters in the Green Mile than there are in Shawshank as well. Yeah, you could say that, but like, and like, there's more focus because which you no know, Green Mile is it's just to focus on that cell block and it's just them, and you no, know, I guess yeah, it could be just the nature of the film, but like. I love every single decision on who they cast there because they play it so damn well that it just it elevates the movie to that next level because you have those different relationships between no um I can't think of his name now the uh the sat the the the, the inmate that is like the more goofier one with the rat um, Edouard uh Delacroix Delacroix De- Del. yeah Del yeah Del, Del. Uh, yeah with the, um, with his mouse, 
Yes. But like Mr. Jingles. Like Mr. Jingles, yes, Mr. Jingles. He, he oh. was well cast too. Yes. <laughs> Mr. Jingles <laughs> stole the show. But like oh, like man. the interaction he like no with Delacroix and like John Coffey and like in in the the prison guards with them like it everything just was so seamless it's like i i, I you couldn't ask be, like a better situation with that like to me hands right. down fantastic love it so much yeah yeah i i think the what you could take away from this movie is that the relationships between the guards to the to the inmates or to the prisoners is different because these guards know that they're like the inmates that they're in charge of are death row inmates mm-hmm. who, like, they they're know in they're going of to executions. be electric. Yeah, they're in yeah. charge of executions, and they know that they're going to the electric chair. So a lot of these characters, not all of them, Sam Rockwell's character, Wild Bill, does not have any remorse, does not have a single good bone in his body. But, you know, even, like, Arlen Bitterbuck, like, Graham Greene's character who's only in the movie for like a short amount of time. Like you can feel the remorse on his face, like Dell's character. You can feel the remorse on his face. Like all these, all these inmates and prisoners know that they're going to die at some point. And, and just the relationship between Tom Hanks um, and in all these, all these characters and then the rest of the prison guards is, yeah. I mean, it's what makes the movie um, in some aspects. Before we dive in further, let me just give a brief kind of synopsis of what the movie is. And that is that uh, Tom, we just dove into things. We started talking about Percy, and that led led us down that yeah, rabbit yeah. hole. Uh, Tom Hanks plays a uh, man by the name of Paul Edgecombe, and it starts off with him at a uh, kind of an assisted living facility, and they're watching this movie. And uh, Paul begins to get emotional once he sees this movie, and it begins with Paul telling uh, his friend at the assisted living facility about kind of why and what this movie makes him think about at makes him think about his time when he was a uh, officer at this uh, penitentiary nicknamed the Green Mile and back to this time when a prisoner by the name of John Coffey who's played by Michael Clark Duncan uh, rest in peace by the way he he died about 10 11 years ago oh, um, so sad Oh, Michael Clark, who's big motherfucker. There's no other way to say it. This dude is gigantic. This dude is bigger than a house. Like th- this, this dude is huge. Um, just gigantic guy comes in and he is sentenced to death after being convicted of raping and murdering two young white girls. And obviously that there's a lot of, uh, you know, this is during the, the mid 1930s. So, there's racial tension involved there as well but these these officers are very they know that everyone there's been sentenced and they're going to they're going to pay their debts with the visit to the electric chair so they're they're a lot more mild-mannered than the prisoners or the uh, the, the guards at Shawshank because they kind of know what's up and know that hey their their debt will be paid and then you get to learn some things about john coffee and maybe things aren't quite what they seem did he commit the crime 
He's helping people with things that just seem absolutely beyond this world is all I'll really say about it. Uh, we'll get into more when we talk about spoilers and just their day to day. And I think one of the things this movie captures really well, which is really under and I'm, I'm with Brandon. I do not love this movie. I really like the movie. And I do think that you feel the runtime a lot more. It's 45 minutes longer, so you're going to feel the runtime more more than you would with Shawshank. But I think this movie does a really good job of capturing, all right, I'm at work now, and then I go home to my wife and kind of just like the different lives of someone that works a job like that and trying to leave it at home and how that might be really difficult to do so. And then waking up in the morning, going right back to work. I think that it it captured that really well. And I don't even know if it was really trying to. Yeah, I don't think it did. But the compartmentalization of, of your life, um, whereas like the prisoners don't get to compartmentalize, like they're just they're That's their life now is they yes, in a cell especially block compared to the people and, that don't get to leave. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. And um, I mean, even like the warden's character where, you know, his wife's dying of of cancer. I mean, I don't think that's too much of a spoiler. Like, I can go ahead and say no. that. Like, that's kind of like the basis for the character in and of itself. Um, you know, he's having a tough time at home with, you know, that going on in his life. And, and there's just a lot to, like, emotionality to this movie that just really stands out. Um, and, yeah, I, I'm kind of with Connor, like, some of like the background characters being the way they're casted is what really makes the movie. Like if, if you didn't have the four or five prison guards perfectly casted or the prisoners perfectly casted, then I don't think it would work as well as a movie. And, and I, I think it does work because of the casting of all these characters. So uh, yeah, I also think that just like some of the scenes are, are more lighthearted in some aspects than like Shawshank, which is, you know, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a prison, but, um, you know, lighthearted scenes are still, still good, especially in a movie that, that dives into heavy stuff like this. The, the especially when it comes to that, I'm glad you brought that up because I was, I was a little bit just, just about to say where when it comes to the green mile, one thing that re- that I have truly loved about it is how good the emotional swings are in this movie because one what one point you're feeling sympathy at the same time you're feeling anger and like the like the re, the way that you, you know engage in those emotions to the viewer seeing the effect of what's been going on in the green mile it just it just puts you in this knot of like no, all, all these things happening at once that just makes you feel that tension that you, this overall that's there. I was kind of hoping that you would go a little bit further into that because I know that I am in the minority when I say that the end of this movie really didn't hit me emotionally. And maybe, yeah. maybe I'm an alien. Maybe I just felt the runtime a little bit too long, or maybe I felt like it was trying really hard to make me cry and i Mm -hmm. was kind of maybe i was fighting it subconsciously i don't know but i know that this has been atop so many lists of like if you don't cry in this movie you're soulless 
I didn't cry in this, but I cried in Shawshank. And I was surprised by that, given everything that I heard. Because it is such a long journey to get to where we eventually go that I think that if this movie had shaved off about 20, 25 minutes, I probably would have gotten to that point. However, it sounds like for you, Connor, the fact that it was so long and took its time with all these different background characters seems to me like we had a different experience where it took some of that emotional uh, connection away from me, but it seems like for you, it added that. Yeah. And the other thing too, I'm like, cause I'm, I just go, I'm Googling it now and see if I had anything on the, on the up and up. Cause I watched this through TNT and every, like that's the only time I've ever watched it through. So I'm curious if TNT did have a like TV cut of it mm. that, that could have actually impacted that where there oh, might so be, you've, might only, been a, you've only seen it on TNT. I won't. Yeah. I've always Charles okay. I've seen on you no know, with a DVD. Um, but I've only seen the Green Mile on TVT. But like, if there was one that's time, interesting, like, and I've well, I've seen it where I've sort I've sat down and watched it from start to finish, and you no, know, loved it. But I'm kind yeah. of, I'm looking now like, at the runtime is different on TNT compared to the actual movie itself. Yeah, I mean it's a three hour runtime on DVD Blu-ray. Um, I, the only thing I could think of is. Honestly, there's one part that I would just like cut out um, just because I don't think you really need it. Um, and I guess we, I don't want to get into it we without spoilers. We can touch on the spoils. Right, right. But my, my point is, yeah, my point is, is like there's really like only like 15 minutes you can cut out or 20 minutes you can cut out of this movie. Mm-hmm. You can't cut out everything. I, I just, I got to the end and... You know, you find out what happens with Coffee's character, and, and it just like that's what breaks your heart is that it's it. There's just all this tension in the background, and it's like, will he live? Will he not? Like, will all these characters like survive? But in the end, like you, you kind of know in the back of your head they're not going to, because they're going to the electric chair. But like, just like there was this hint in the back of my head that I was like. I kind of want his character to to like make it, um, and maybe that's what you weren't feeling, Mitchell. Is just like I want John Coffey to make it, because if you logically think about it, like John Coffey's character isn't going to make it. Like he's already been sentenced. Like he's just not going to make it. Maybe it was also just like maybe it's the problem with the Stephen King story in general. Cause I think a lot of the stuff with John coffee and the things that he can do was just kind of like, it just seemed kind of goofy to me personally. What? And it's, it's something that I think that a lot of people what have stage just been of writing. Do you think Stephen <laughs> King was that like, was this like the Coke phase? I don't think this is, I think, phase. no, I think this was like, Coke, but maybe going down a little. Ninety six. Ninety six. Okay. So he he written he written the Green Mile, from what I'm I think I have it the Wikipedia up. I'm pretty sure he wrote the Green Mile after Shawshank was released on film. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. So so it wasn't like his uh it wasn't like Pet Cemetery, you know, 
Like he's just like, and you know, even with it, like when he wrote it, like he even says, like I, I was kind of like out of it when I was writing it. Like it, it, it it's not that type of like thing. Like I just think Stephen King likes to play around with fantasy and likes to play around with like that aspect of, of people performing miracles or I guess for lack of a better term. And, and maybe that's, yeah. I mean, I do agree with you in some aspect. I'm like, what is going on? Like with, like when you first see it happen, you're like, you're like, that's kind of wild. You're like, what is going on? But once you like get into the story, it makes more sense, I guess, as it goes on. But the thing is too, it's nice because the prison guards also have that same reaction of like, what? the hell is this and right, what like, happened? and they yeah. all of them like this is nuts how is this happening and they, i think they're very i thought that was very good on uh how they portrayed that i think the most emotional i got was just kind of learning more about michael clark duncan as john coffee and like when you first get introduced to his character and there's kind of a first flashback, mm-hmm. it really threw me off like, oh, this movie's about to get really dark. And it oh, did you mean go the to flashback? The, yes, to like when he's the with scene the where girls. He gets, yeah. Yeah. That's, I it's it's that's a brutal scene. It's a terrifying shot that i thought was just exceptional this was not uh roger deakins by the way brandon this was uh david (laughs) tattersall know a little bit less about him but i thought he did a great job with this as well oh he did uh he had a very busy 1999 he also did star wars episode one the phantom menace so very busy 99 for uh for mr tattersall but that was a, a a really intriguing shot and i felt like we got there in spurts but maybe it just didn't focus on the stuff that i wanted to focus on that's a problem with me specifically no that's fair i mean the grades i kind of want connor if you could because i know that you're gonna be higher on it i'm high i'm an a just kind of if you could just kind of give your your grade and maybe like a sales pitch because at the end of the day, I do want to take away from this review series, particularly when we're talking about movies like this, to be go see the movie that you haven't seen before. Mm-hmm. So if you could kind of give a sales pitch along with your grade and reasoning for your grade, if that's not too much to ask. Yeah, I'm more than happy to. Um, I definitely would give it an A. It definitely is not as high as Shawshank, even though... That surprises emotion- me. Um, I thought you were going A+. I, I was. It's It's high. It's It's... To me, like a 9.63. It's not all the mm-hmm. way there. Like, to me, when it comes to The Green Mile, I love this movie a lot more emotionally to Shawshank. I think Shawshank is a superior film, but I do think that The Green Mile has its own special place in my heart because of the fact that the way that the characters interact and the way that, you know, you have these different personalities conflicting with each other and the conflict that does come up and what they, what they learn and seeing like those interactions between the guards and the these it might inmates who are waiting for you no know, their near death approaching them and again it, it gets you no know, even in a look especially this being you no know, the great depression when it's you know taking place like though it's 
gets that kind of that spirit of altry too when it comes to John Coffee and you no know, uh, no them trying to come to terms with themselves as well as people. And it's something that I would highly recommend, you know, to at least see once because of the fact that it is such a gut-wrenching movie, just overall, just the way that how your emotions will fling from one thing to the other and how things could play out. Because there's funny moments, there are heartbreaking moments, there is moments that you just want to induce rage, as Mitchell mentioned before, like... And it's because of the fact that the performances of all those actors are fantastic. Well, very well said. Brian? Yeah, um, I'm not as I'm not as high, obviously, as Shawshank. Um, I, I'm at an A, but I'm at a 14.3% A. Um, so for me, I was telling Mitchell, I think this would have landed on my 21st uh, favorite film last year. Um, around there, if it was on my ranking system, like if this had came out last year, that's kind of where we land. And it's still a really great movie. It's an it's a it's a great movie. Um, more four stars than five stars for me. But what I love about it is kind of like the tension and the character development and the way the characters interact with each other. I'm with Mitchell though. I think what takes it down for me is you just don't get enough time with John Coffey's character. And maybe that's on purpose. Like maybe that there's a reason to like leave some, Im- Im- like, you know, some mysteriousness about it or, you know, leave some stuff out. But I just felt like you could have had a little bit more time with his character. And that's where I kind of wanted the film to go. Is it more like showing Coffey's character more? Um, and I, it only showed him in like these little bits and pieces. And that's not a bad thing. It's just like that's kind of where I'm at with the movie. So it's still a really high A or a lower A for me, but um, but it's still an A. And I, I would recommend it to anybody. Like if anyone was like, what movie should I watch that's like a longer, like slow burn film? I'd be like, yeah, watch this. Like if you haven't ever seen The Green Mile, like watch it because I, I think it's worth I think it's worth a watch for sure. All right, so I'm definitely going to come in a little lower than you, Brandon. You're at a low A. I'm at a low A minus. I'm at A minus 11.82%. I'm not going to lie. I was a little disappointed with where it landed, especially considering how high it is on the IMDb top 250. But like I like I said in our last review, uh, my job is not necessarily to praise your favorite movie, but it's also not to tear down any movies it's just to give every movie its day in court and i did really like this movie i i enjoy is not really the right word to use with something like the green mile but i did like watching it tom hanks is just fantastic this was tom hanks at the peak of his powers michael clark duncan was great i do feel like this movie at the at the conclusion of it does kind of fall into on multiple occasions just trying so hard to make you cry and this movie is so long that it does kind of emotionally wear me out a bit to where if i wasn't as worn out i might have been able to give those tears a little bit more to this movie than what i was actually able to do and there's a chance that i watch this again and it moves a little bit quicker for me and by the end i am just a soaking wet mess crying at the end 
that's a very that's a very strong possibility. Rewatches can do that for you sometimes. But still, I I did really enjoy this movie. I would recommend it. I just I and I especially as a double feature with Shawshank and the Green Mile, the Frank Darabont prison double feature. It's 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 pretty tough to beat that. Yeah, I was going to say if we ever if we ever had this double feature in in theaters, I mean, this might be one of the best double features we You'd be in the together. theater for almost six hours, but hey, it's yeah, <laughs> fair <laughs> time. Well, you know, that's two Martin Scorsese films, so we'll be doing it. Yeah, yeah. That, that's one extended version of, of a Lord of the Rings movie, basically. So, <laughs> right, fair. A right, snacks, a, a Zack Snyder cut, uh, Justice League oh, plus God. two hours. <laughs> Let's go ahead and get into spoilers. So, if you have not seen these movies, first of all, hopefully we've convinced you to do so because they're definitely worth your time. Or if you just if you've seen them, or you just don't care about spoilers and you're a madman or mad woman, either one, then uh, keep listening because we're gonna go ahead and let's let's start with Shawshank. And guys, once I noticed what Andy was doing with the uh, the whole Randall Stevens thing. I lost my mind the first time I was watching this movie because he's laundering money for the warden and he kind of talks back to the warden and the warden's telling him like, all right, if you, if you want to play it like this, you're going to be in the hole. And so he's spending a lot of time in solitary confinement and it's really taken a toll on Andy Dufresne to the point where he's talking to Morgan Freeman and you're wondering, is he going to like, is he going to off himself? Is he, he might be reaching the end of his rope literally and figuratively. Um, and the next day they're calling roll Andy Dufresne. You better be sick, dead or mute. No, that's not the quote. Sick, dead or mute is key and peel. <laughs> you better be sick or dead or I'm going to, yeah, is what he said. Yeah, yeah sick or sick, dead or mute is the substitute teacher from Key and Peele. Also iconic for di- very different reasons. Yeah, uh, you better be sick or dead. And then he goes in there and he is just gone. And he's got this poster of uh, Raquel Welch on the wall. Uh, what the movie is that from? Is that I think that's that from a, Planet uh, of the Apes. Yeah, is that from Planet of the Apes? Okay, I was like, yeah, um, uh, but. The warden's throwing and the poster his changes throughout the movie. Yes, which it is does. Hilarious. Yes, it does. Because yeah, uh, originally it's Rita Hayworth, because that's what yeah. the, the yep. short film was named out. It's Rita Hayworth and Shawshank Redemption. Um, yep. But the warden throwing his little temper tantrum. He throws this little rock because he's he's got his little rock hammer that he got from earlier, and you just hear the rock just going through different parts of the wall, and you're like, oh, what the hell could be happening there? And there's this little tunnel. And you see Andy Dufresne going through this little hole in the wall, then getting through to that area where he's got to bust the pipe when the lightning hits it at just the right time. Yep. Then was it three, three and a half football fields? Of five. He, yeah. he, he, this is the Morgan Freeman quote. He crawled through 500 yards of shit I don't even want to know about. Yeah. Five football fields. 
and, and it's then, just like this is it was and then you see him like puke i don't even know how they got that shot to like go but like you see him puke and like they the, drowned him in shit in the, no. <laughs> in, yeah in the sewer in the sewer like he pukes at one point and like you can just tell that like this is an unpleasant experience and i, I i'm with you i just think andy like broke he was like i'm done like yeah. after they kill i mean we haven't talked about tommy's character but after they murder tommy andy's like fuck this i'm out yeah. like i'm like yeah screw the warden i'm taking all his money i could get I'm, down I'm, with I'm some corrupt stuff that you have going on here you know? but when you're killing people i'm i'm drawing the line at that and then that's where you get the iconic shot where you just got to give it up to the heavens yeah after yeah. you uh after you get out of all that and then again Jesus. that's a roger deacon special like on his face like up to the sky like masterful just amazing yeah masterful and then you see this plan that andy has where he's been sending all of this money to randall stevens and randall stevens doesn't exist but randall stevens has all the information he needs so that andy once he gets out of prison he can basically become randall stevens he has a bunch of money he has a, a clean background and he can start a new life and i well, thought that was just incredible <laughs> Well, it was more of a situation where he took the warden's original plan when it came to the tax evasion and just made it backfire on him. Like it was, it was such an intelligent right. thing where it's like, there's like, like there's a lot of little seeds they place in this movie where like they show how smart Dufresne, Dufresne is, you know, helping, uh, who was it? Was it Tommy getting the G, G, GED in this? Yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah. Um, so he's, he's, yeah. he's, teach, he's teaching like, Oh, again, like this is what takes place what 1950s so like no someone being an accountant no less is not really that common so him actually look like be able to teach and actually you know show his actual education like he, he's a smart guy and he's using it to his own advantage right no no knowing how to legally transfer money to save inheritance and like he he built his own little empire to himself and then he's like all right time to flip it yeah, I mean, he he really uses like the banker background. I think he was a vice president of a a bank in Portland, mm -hmm. and like even Morgan Freeman's character is like, you know, that's a pretty good job for a guy that young. Like that's yeah. a he had to be very successful to do that. He kind of turns that banker role into I'm gonna do all the taxes for all the guards. Like that's probably like one of the funniest scenes is when he's doing all the taxes. It's like a line of them. Guards. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's like, it's like, and they they coincided it with the interview of seasons. So yep. the, the guards from the other prisons could bring their tax forms. Yeah, I was like, I was like oh, it's amazing. Um, it just shows yeah. how much they trusted him and how much they weren't like. No one really suspected that he was up to anything like this. Yeah, right. Exactly. And I guess he, that's the point I was making. Is like he just seems like this unassuming, like quiet guy who's just kind of going about his own thing, and he's like really smart. And so everyone just like looks the other way. Even Morgan Freeman. I think this is great foreshadowing. At the beginning of the movie, Morgan Freeman goes, "He was a quiet guy who kind of walked around with, you know, like he had this cloak on that, like he was going to be protected from." from whatever this prison was going to bring at him. But he, he's kind of just goes about his own business. Like he's a quiet guy. And then it turns out that he's like the smartest person there. And he actually has a prison break. Whereas like, I don't think anyone has ever broken out of that prison. Like it's very hard to break out of that prison as from from like the, what they say in the movie and whatnot. So yeah, 
I mean, it's just a very, it's a well done like ending to mm-hmm. the movie. I guess is is what I was kind of getting at. And the thing too is that, you no, know, Mitchell referenced it earlier when the non spoil section, and we'll spoil it now. It comes to Brooks is him committing suicide after him getting out, getting out, yeah. and not being able to adjust to, you no, know, the outside world, and. I bet I enjoyed how that kind of placed the seed of doubt in yourself when it comes to no, no. Andy gets the rope because he he asked for the rope from Red. I was like, "Hey, I I need some rope from you." And Red's thinking, "Oh, the warden's going to be after him. He's going to commit. He's going to commit suicide and just end it now." Because you know, to him, he's going to be stuck in jail for the next god knows how long, and. The fact that, like, oh, the rope was him for escaping, not, no, escaping and, and actually escaping, not escaping just through death. And I thought it was a very nice, like, kind of red herring in that aspect of, like, oh, like, how are they going to play that out? Yeah, and then once Andy does get out, he sets himself up with the money at these different banks. He mails uh, a bunch of evidence that he's gathered over the years as far as the corruption and the different murders that take place at Shawshank to this newspaper. They go in guns blazing to the the prison and uh, the Norton commits suicide because he's not going to go down, not going to get arrested. So he shoots himself in the head right in his office. Oh, well, first off, uh, that scene, like he's he's putting all the bullets in and like he's putting in like all six bullets in the revolver. And you're like, is he about to like have a, a like a. a I think off, he was like conflicted. Yeah, I think, I think at he first really he was he was going it. for yeah. a fight, and then right. he realized that's not going to go well. This okay, over. now this is the best line in the entire. Yeah, this is the best line in the entire. I know where you're going with this. Morgan Freeman's character voices over the the last. I imagine that the last thing Warden Norton had go th- had going through his head besides his the bullet. Was how Andy Dufresne pulled one over on him, yep. and I was like, "That is just an, an incredible line, an incredible line." And I, I, it's just the brilliance of like how they use Morgan Freeman's character to like tell the story. Or like, I heard that Captain Hadley was bawling like a little child when they were taking him away, or whatever. Like, it, like those voiceovers at the very end are just like iconic. Morgan Freeman just kind of like using his voice to like tell the story and his storytelling at its best, I guess is, it's kind of what I was going to say on it. But it, uh, it, yeah, uh, who's so besides Tim Robbins and, and Morgan Freeman, who else did y'all really like? Cause I really like Tommy's character. I really liked Haywood. I thought William Sadler was like amazing as Haywood. Brooks. Like, I thought that was a really good. Yeah. Brooks is awesome too. Before you yeah. jump there though, cause I want to make, who, I want to mention too. Um, I want, yeah, I, go I, ahead. Go ahead. When it comes to Freeman, I think he really does grasp. Uh, he really portrays the prison vibe, though, because of the fact that he's because it isn't like no, it's always speculation. It isn't actually truth, or it's either rumors too that he's hearing. So it really does like like oh like you're you're on, you're in on the information that he's getting. He, he no, you're you're his confidant. I really like that that dynamic that he really brings to the audience of you no know, their own participation that he's talking to you. Yeah, but Hayward Hayward's was fan I thought was great in this. 
Um, let's see. Um, who was the other one? I can't think of his name now. I mean, there's a lot of really good performances. Yeah. There's a lot of like deep performances and deep cut stuff going on. But like Haywood, William Sadler is Haywood is probably yeah. a really good one. And like Mitchell said, Brooks. Like the the when Brooks gets out and you follow him around for ten minutes or ten plus minutes, and then you see that he's about to commit suicide, you're like, wow, like I that's see, heavy stuff. It's I, heavy stuff. I can see some on a first time watch, while it's going on, thinking, why are we going on a little Brooks side mission here? The, this movie just completely right but then it, it comes back to the concept of being institutionalized and where it goes with red at the end when red gets to that final parole board meeting where he he had this conversation with andy beforehand about if you ever get out i have this rock near this tree where I first made love to my wife or made love to my wife before I asked to marry her, uh, pick up that rock. There's something for you underneath it. Uh, but red doesn't ever think that he's going to get out. So in his last parole board right. meeting where he, there's, exactly. th- there's three of them and the first two, it's just like, yes, I'm not a danger to society. Oh no. I feel like I've been rehabilitated. Um, God's truth. I'm, I'm not a danger to society at all. And that's the God's honest truth. Yeah. It's just like, and the last Mm -hmm. time he's just like, look, I'm, you can use words like rehabilitation. What does that even mean? It just gives you guys an excuse to wear a suit and tie and write things in your notepad. So write whatever you want to write. Uh, I don't give a shit. And that gets him out because it does seem like he is generally re- genuinely remorseful, but also that he's made oh, yeah. progress. Cause he also talks about wanting to talk to the younger version of himself, but he can't do that. So it was Morgan Freeman in that particular moment, I think earned his Oscar nominee. He earns it throughout, but that's kind of like the, if you were to include spoilers, that would be kind of the Oscar clip that they would mm-hmm. use. And then yeah, at yeah. the end, you get him and Andy. Andy talked about going to Mexico, working on a boat together. He needs a man that's going to help him find things. That's what Red was always good at in prison. So they meet up in, in Mexico and the the camera fades away as they 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 hug each other and we got a nice happy ending again they had to be using a helicopter to to get that (laughs) shot like they're just like no way they didn't get that shot any other way um yeah i i think the the last scene is so powerful and really the last 30 minutes of the movie is just it's just incredible like and, and and that's I mean, that's the, like, crowning moment of this movie. It's like, like, Connor's correct, like, earlier when he's like, there's really no dull moments and the pacing is perfect and everything is just, like, keeps building and there's really nothing. There's, like, no downtime and you're always, like, on edge and you're always, like, what's next? What's happening? You get sucked in. But the last 30 to 35 minutes of this movie is just spectacular. And that's that's what I think makes it one of the best movies of all time. It's just the the ending of this movie. It's just absolutely spectacular. All right. Well, let's move on over to the Green Mile, which surely has uh, just as happy of an ending. 
Hey, you want to yeah. Here's, here's a fun little transition because I just looking through the IMDb. I did not know Jeff and Jeffrey Dumont was in, was in Shawshank because he's definitely in Green Mile. I was I was like, wait, because I saw I saw his face, the picture of IMDb is like, wait, isn't is this the Green Mile page? I flipped back to the Green Mile page, like, wait, what? Like, flip back over, yeah. like, oh, oh, I he was in both. I did not know that. That's the guy. I I I thought I recognized him when I saw him in the Green Mile, so I, I was looking at it. That's the guy at the very beginning who's at Andy Dufresne's Andy Dufresne's trial saying that means he stopped to reload three yeah. bullets or four bullets right. each for one lover. Right, right. The That's, district attorney. He's, a, he's yeah, the district at attorney. At the very yeah. beginning. Before the yeah. judge is like, it shows my blood to even be looking at you right now. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. That that's yep. Or not <laughs> not the district attorney, the, the defense attorney. Yeah. The, 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 yeah, yeah. All right. So let's get into the green mile. One that we could talk about even less uh in the non-spoiler, because I didn't want to get into too much of John Coffey's magic and the fact that he can just heal people by touching them. And he takes he takes uh, Tom Hanks's UTI or bladder infection away from him, which, mm-hmm. you know, my dog had a UTI last month. I could have used John coffee to help with that instead of paying for medication. But... UTI suck. They suck. Man. Yeah. If you have a UTI, like, do I want to piss razor blades? Like, no. Like, like, and Tom yeah. Hanks did a good so job of I'm making with... that seem painful as hell. Oh, he sold that. Yeah. yeah. He sold it. Yeah. But, uh, John helps Paul, uh, you know, heal his bladder infection. He goes home, fucks the hell out of his wife a few times. That's certainly a, a, a five minutes of just <laughs> them them going at it and her just like smiling the whole time. Sure, why not? But uh, everyone just kind of doubts that that's something that could happen and that he just kind of made it up. But then they have the scene. I don't know if I want to go in chronological order or if I just want to go into all the different things he cures. But the next thing probably to talk about is Percy at the damn execution of Dell and how he didn't soak the sponge, which that's what you need to do to conduct electricity. And so that's it's Percy. That's like, Percy that's for you. Percy. Yeah, that's peak. Like he is a he's a terrible, terrible waste of human life. Like just absolutely horrendous. Well, they like, don't want to put him in charge of this, but it's pretty much a deal of like, hey, you'll leave if we let you do one execution. We'll show you how to do it. Right. We'll train you. All that. You'll be ready to do it. And Percy just he deliberately yeah, does gone. not mess up. He's work. talking. He's talking crap about uh, the mouse that Dell has mm-hmm. been friends with the entire time there, and it's just awful. And it, I could smell the burning, like right. It's one of those where it just, it's so graphic and rough. And then they show you the uh, the aftermath of it, and they they beat the hell out of Percy and they pretty much just lock him in the, the uh, solitary confinement room. And then John decides after uh, healing the warden's wife of her brain tumor, which was an incredible scene. 
because it took a lot of convincing for th- this warden to let this death row inmate mm-hmm. into his wife's bedroom to just, hey, he can do magic. Just go with it. I promise. So that's that's just what I was talking about earlier, where like they could have taken out 10 or 15 minutes when they're sitting there like eating dinner or whatever. Or uh, like a picnic or whatever it was that like outside and they're like talking about John Coffee. Like, can't you just cut that entire like ten minutes out or eight minutes out? Like, I know it's setting up like they're gonna bring John Coffee to the warden's house, but couldn't you just cut that out and it would it would be the same impact? Because the warden still like wants to shoot him and like doesn't trust him even after Tom Hanks' character and, and all the guards are like, yeah, no, he like performs miracles. And they were like, no, that can't be real. Like, that again, can't be again, real. who's going like, to believe that? Like, uh, You could have just cut that scene out. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, true. So it's almost like, why even have that scene? Like, yeah. just cut that scene out and just have him show up at the warden's house. Um, yeah, that scene is just, like, wild. And, and can we talk about how he performs these miracles? So he touches the person and, like, and like cures the, whatever is the, going I, through their body. Yeah. Or whatever. And then... What happens after, like, someone explain it maybe better than I can, but basically he, what, he vomits, like, bees, like bugs out of his or mouth? Or, so yeah, how I, I, to, like, get rid of whatever the illness is? I took it biblically, and I thought it was locusts, like, kind of situation. Okay, yeah, because, no, because, I mean, because, that works, too. Because like it, it's, it probably it, is, like, a biblical reference. Because, yeah. no, during the... Uh, was it Moses when he uh, was warning the Pharaoh, like, oh, these are the the ailments that are going to happen over the next 10 days. And one of them was locusts that took over and ate all the crops. So locusts definitely have a, a, a strong negative connotation in the Bible. So like that, that was the first thing that I kind of an, you know, annotated it to. And, but yeah, I was like, like oh, I'm, t- I'm right, sucking, right. I'm sucking the bad out. I'm like, uh, that's, that's like the only like, Right, like and weird, then it's like, weird I have to thing. get it out of my mouth. Yeah, that's... But at the same time, like, it's like, because it's so out of this world that, like, it makes it even harder for them to explain to someone else. Like, oh, like, oh he's a magic healer. Like, they, they seen, right. they saw, no, because Percy's the one who killed Mr. Jangles, right? Remember that correctly? Um, yeah, just he, steps on him. He steps on, just stomps him out, stomps him out, and they yeah. and they all like I remember correctly it was um it was Tom Hanks' character and the other guard that he's uh, friends brutal. with like brutal and they uh, brutal yeah brutal, yeah, brutal. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they literally witness him spew the shit out I'm like and the rat's alive I'm like we saw that rat dead like that rat was dead like and like no no coffee and, and coffee being yeah so well played by duncan of like such a sweet giant teddy bear it's like oh i i can fix him and like i was like like with that like southern accent with him like oh he does it so damn well like that's the only way like it really makes me really buy in because the way how uh, duncan plays coffee yeah he does playing like more of a gentle giant except for the one scene where he keeps all of the locusts or bees or whatever we're calling it and just bees. releases it all into Percy, Percy, which causes Percy to lose his mind and shoot Bill, which 
was i mean bill was a death row inmate anyway so i'm not really feeling bad for, and bill was a death row inmate whoa, that was like whoa, there's whoa, no whoa, doubt whoa, about whoa, it whoa, bill whoa, like whoa, whoa. horrible dude the, well they, they had a the biggest spoiler in the entire movie yeah is the flashback to find out that wild bill is the one who actually raped and murdered the two little yeah. girls and coffee just happened to be there and was trying to save them and he couldn't do it in time yeah. like that's that's the like to when I saw that I was like, oh my god, now it makes sense. That like I knew they were gonna connect it somehow, but yeah. Where yeah, exactly. That one yeah. prisoner was like, or Tommy was like, Yeah, I heard this guy talking about how he killed these people, and sounds like those are the people that you were in prison for killing. So yeah. it seemed very similar to that. And I mean, that's not a Frank Darabont issue. That's a Stephen King issue. It it's seems a King like, issue. Yep. yeah, uh, the right. ghosts were, were but, very similar. But I, I don't mind like the flashback through like Tom Hanks characters, like through Paul Jack, Paul Edgecombe, because mm-hmm. like Coffee's characters, like I have to show you why I hurt so much or like what's going on. Like, yeah, yeah. I have to show you that I'm innocent, and so he then he shows him, and he's like, yeah, this is what happened. And I, to me, how someone did not connect, like Wild Bill, to that to those two murders is like beyond me. No, like that's where, I, like, well, forget all the miracles. Like, what are we doing? Keep well, keep in mind, this is 1930s. You know what I mean? This is 1930s. Yeah, so like, that's uh, fair. And, no, that's a good point. And that's and like the so they just like assumed it was coffee because they're like it's a giant black guy it has to be who was holding the kids with blood all over him yeah like it was him him being the wrong place at the wrong time but like the other thing too is when it comes to coffee where i think that king you know king really leans like biblically is that no coffee says like like no because the guards like yo let's free you like you don't like you don't belong here and coffee's like no, I I will I will pass away. Like I I will go sit in the chair. I because he's he's more like I'm, I want to give these people their satisfaction, and like no, in in his frame of mind, like he's going to die on the cross. Like no, I'm he's, tired. He's, I'm tired. I'm tired, boss. I'm tired. It's like all I want to do is watch a movie, and that's the movie. The um, that yes. that uh, for Hank's character it was a top hat. I think it was called. I think I said yeah. somewhere in this. And that's the thing that I think that that would get me more emotionally is finally seeing those two things come together mm-hmm. at the end Connect, of the movie. Yeah. That's the thing that I think got me the most. Yeah. But the thing that gets most people is the the scene where John is executed and he's asking not to have the hood placed over his head because he's afraid of the dark. Afraid, afraid they don't of the dark put walls. it over his head. Oh. Paul shakes his hand and all that they're one of the one of the guards, I mean the guard is like crying yeah, he's like bawling yeah the one guard I think played by Barry Pepper is just like unable to contain himself like he is mm-hmm. just openly yeah. crying Paul and them are are very clearly emotional but trying their best to hide it as uh as John John's executed, and then after that, we cut back to the present day, and we find out that uh, John and Brutal both uh, left their jobs after that and took up jobs in in the juvenile system. And then you find out, because at the beginning of the movie, 
you, you see that Paul's been going on a lot of walks, and people are like, you, you shouldn't be going on walks up this like little hill by yourself. You're in an assisted living facility. Like, come on, man. And he go- goes on this walk with uh, one of his friends that he was talking to and telling the story to and shows that Mr. Jingles is still alive. Alive. And this dude <laughs> yep. is old as hell, but like blessed with an extremely long life uh, due to John. And you also see that he's 108 years old and he sees this uh this long life as kind of a punishment for mm-hmm. John's death. And then Elaine, the friend he was talking to, uh, dies, which I thought was kind of abrupt that she, that they cut to a funeral really quickly. And then the, the final line of the movie, uh, where, uh, Paul Edgecombe is saying, we each owe a death. There are no exceptions, but Oh God, sometimes the green mile seems so long. And so, I thought that it was a much this movie. If there are similarities between Shawshank and Green Mile, the ending is absolutely not one of them because Shawshank leaves you feeling like anything is possible and happy and joyful. And Green Mile last 20 minutes or so is just dark. Oh, yeah. Like the thing with the Green Mile, like, even you were reading that line, it's, I just got goosebumps again because the fact that like, it's, it's a good it's, ending. It's a great ending. And it really portrays, you no, know, it really portrays when it comes to Edgecombe, like he sees it as a curse because of the fact that everyone he's known has died before him. And anyone he, and touching you know, his assisted living area, like, you no, know, anyone he meets with, oh, you're going to die before I die. Like, it's just how it's going to be. And, it's kind of you no know, fitting as someone who was an executioner that this is the curse that he, that's laid upon him. Um, and the comment you made earlier when it came to the, the the John Candy execution, I John think Coffey. that yeah, John, John Candy, <laughs> John Coffey. <laughs> yeah, so this suddenly became a very oh. different movie. The, the, John Coffey. Yeah, uh, John, John Coffey, but not but not spelled the same. Yeah, yeah. that's my not, favorite yeah. line. Yeah. Not spelled the same. Not, not let the drink, sir. Um, so I think that the foil of having Percy's botch execution first and then following up with Coffey's execution was so it really to me that was the one thing was like you can see because they had they had had the other execution too like in the very beginning of um uh arlen bitterbach so they you can see like the process that this is the third time they've seen the process and you saw they want how it's supposed to be done you saw how which real fucked up and then you saw the very last time where you see like all their moat like to them like oh it's no daily office but to them like this is it's a really how they're how they're taking such care of john when they're doing it because before they just like oh strapped them with the very first one like they strapped them up no it was like okay another day in the office the amount of care they put into john's execution and like the little things to it like making sure it was nice and wet like the sponge is wet and like 
all the, that is like, I thought it was a very, I thought it was very impactful. I'm with you on them. By the way, Brandon, uh, another guy that was in both movies, William Sadler, who you mentioned for Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. Plays the dad of the, uh, the girls that you see at that, that last scene where he's kind of, uh, that's right. About how John deserves to, I think he said something about go, go to, go to hell or something mm-hmm. along those lines. Um, but yeah, he's in. He's oh, in kill him! Kill well. him twice. Yeah, yeah, he's like kill him was. twice. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, that wraps up the Frank Darabont Stephen King double feature, The Shawshank Redemption and The Green Mile. Please check out both of those movies if we have not convinced you to do so. And frankly, if you're reaching this part of the review, then you've probably already seen both of them because we just talked about spoilers. So that's <laughs> on you if you got to this part without watching them. So next, still up, do though. <laughs> yeah, worth a rewatch. My God, I mean Shawshank, especially. I think uh, A plus is across the board. We're not going to get a ton of those. So uh, got a and high A pluses across the board. Next up, uh, the French Connection and Little Man. I don't think anything connects those two movies at all. Like not a single thing. But that's the next thing that. Brandon, I, I I don't think Connor's jumping at the uh, chomping at the bit to talk about Little Man, but Brandon and I will talk about it. And then after that, it's Pulp Fiction and Forrest Gump, the two movies that were competing with Shawshank for Best Picture in 1994. And hopefully by the end of that, we can come to a verdict, which one we would give Best Picture to in 94. Yeah, that that's a good point, Mitchell. I, I was going to say, maybe we uh, picked the right, I mean, at least I picked the right year to be born in, you know? Born in a year where there's three uh, movie of the year candidates like are we that. All, are we all 94 yeah, babies? Oh, oh, yeah. I feel like we are. Very but... nice. Very nice. Fantastic yeah. year. I think I was born the day that Speed came out. So. Oh, uh, wow. Great yeah, movie. It, it yeah. Explains <laughs> so much about you. Then. Maybe no, that should have won double f- or one, one best picture. But yes, that yeah, is exactly. that is for uh, the weeks to come. Thank you for uh, listening to us. Again, for Brandon 2 and Connor Vandermark. I'm Mitchell Lee. Thank you for listening to Press Play Action here on Jersey Nerds Productions. And hopefully that you've been entertained by our our commentary and join us next week.